Welcome to Don't Shrink Back, the podcast, and of course, it's a video series too. I'm Heidi Harris, your host. Don't Shrink Back comes from the Bible, Hebrews 10 39. We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. The purpose of this podcast and video series is to highlight and celebrate heroism, people who are cultural heroes, moral heroes, spiritual heroes. Don't see a lot of that anymore. So we want to make sure that you know they're out there because we know they're out there. You can reach out to us if you'd like to suggest a guest or comment or anything like that at don'tshrinkback.com. That's don'tshrinkback.com. This week's episode includes somebody I've been so impressed with. Her name is Tamara Leach. She's one of the founders of the Freedom Convoy. Remember that? When all the truckers basically shut down the city of Ottawa and Canada. Remember that? In response to the tyranny, in response to the COVID shutdowns and the COVID vaccine mandates, they had just had enough. Tamara Leach is one of the founders. She has a new book out called Hold the Line. It is fantastic. I had a chance to read the entire thing. By the way, I don't interview anybody whose book I haven't read. So just so you know, (laughs) anyone I talk to, I figure if I don't care, why would you? So I don't even try to interview people whose books don't interest me. Anyway, fantastic book. Hold the line. I'll put all the information in the description as to how you can get it. Tamara Leach, welcome. So glad to have you here and don't shrink back. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Heidi. There's so much about Canadian politics in general that I learned by reading your book. I follow it peripherally, but I'm not up there. I'm not in it as much as other people are. I really wasn't aware of it. It's kind of like the United States where a small group of people wield most of the political power. And you talked about that. And here you were in Alberta, you were in the oil and gas industry for many years. And it's so perfect because you worked in logistics, which wound up being a handy little skill to have once the convoy started. <laughs> but talk a little bit about Canadian politics and how, you know, everyone doesn't think alike. And, and there's a lot of a push me, pull me between the small group of people who supposedly represent everybody. That was important to me. Yeah, well, you know, it is really important. And it's an issue that we've been talking about here for quite some time. Basically, the eastern portion of Canada, specifically around the GTA in Montreal, uh, basically control how our elections turn out. So, I mean, even in our last election, all of the western provinces went completely conservative, but we still ended up with a liberal government who was voted in with 31% of the popular vote, which which is a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. And so what we find here in Alberta is when we have a federal election, the it's already decided before the polls have even closed out here. <sighs> so we have we have an unfair balance of um, ridings as opposed to the east also. So, yeah, I mean, w- we have an uphill battle here as Western Canadians fighting against uh, Ottawa. For sure. Yeah, you don't really think about that till you, till you read that. So, talk to me a little bit about, you know, uh, how the convoy started. This this is not the only convoy. There was a convoy a couple of years. The the, um, the yellow vest movement. Talk a little bit about that first. Yeah, in t- 2019, there was a convoy that left Alberta. It was called the United Reroll Convoy, and they put a bunch of trucks together to drive across the country, and they were advocating for our energy sector at that time. Mm-hmm. So about 2018, I want to say it was, um, the, the government of Canada started imposing legislation that was very harmful to the inner energy industry in Alberta, which is our bread and butter. Right here that's our main resource out here and it supports a lot of families and I get really frustrated at at some of this stuff and I got really frustrated watching it happen because these people aren't just numbers and statistics these are human beings that have families to feed 
And so, and so they went out uh, at that time. I wasn't involved in that. I, I watched it, of course, but I, but I was involved around that time. We, a lot of communities organized local convoys, little local convoys. So um, I helped in 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 managing, organizing our one here around Medicine Hat, and they drove across Canada with that mandate to bring awareness to what was happening out here in the West with our with our industry. And uh, it was still a beautiful thing. Uh, you know, they talked about the unity that they saw driving across Canada. But I think I think the reason Freedom Convoy or one of the reasons that Freedom Convoy was so uh, popular with all of Canada was because it involved the whole country. It wasn't just about one specific industry, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. It does make sense. And the thing is, when you're talking about fighting for an industry, you're talking about fighting for not only jobs in Alberta, you're talking about something that benefits everybody, benefits the nation and their policies of trying to strangle what you're doing are hurting all of us and hurting the ability for Canada to export things. And it's far reaching what you're trying to do. Well, and I mean, the laughable thing about it is, is they're really trying to push uh, electric vehicles here and they're trying to phase out, you know, gas and diesel engines. But we live in Canada. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it is minus 30 here in some places for weeks at a time. I mean, there there's not enough electricity on the grid to have all of Canada driving electric vehicles. I mean, in, on a hot day, just like I know in some states in the US, you know, when it gets really hot and everyone has their air conditionings on, they have blackouts because they can't handle it. So then add all these electric vehicles on top of that. It's nonsense. Yeah. It's a well, fantasy land. Well, not only that, but when they talk about electric vehicles, they talk about the batteries and they talk about the battery life of an electric vehicle. Not even not only the how long it stays charged, but how long it lasts in your car without having to spend another 20 grand on a battery, right? And normally those things are not tested under the conditions of Canada or where I live in Las Vegas, where it's 116 this week. And your battery lasts just about every other year. You can just about put it on your calendar because of the heat of the summer that takes the life out of the battery. So they don't test those under those kinds of conditions. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, Yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, I understand what they're trying to do. uh, But I mean, they have to they have to also work within the parameters of reality, which they're not doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So I, I was also stunned, and I have, I have spoken with uh, Pastor Artur Pawlowski a couple of times, who, as you know, you know him, was imprisoned yeah. for trying to keep his church open during COVID. And he's from Poland. He puts up with no nonsense. And it's called him Gestapo, which they have behaved like in a lot of ways. And, and you know, his story is not that different than yours, a different perspective. Obviously, he was fighting for the church and you were fighting for the rights of people to you know, not have to be vaccinated. But it is just horrific, the, the tactics that were used by the police over the course. Of, well, let's before we get to the convoy, let's talk about the lockdowns and things like that that happened in Canada that made mm-hmm. no sense to anybody. Talk a little bit about that. And I, I didn't I had realized I knew it was stupid here. Some of the things that were going on. But boy, you guys really suffered up there. It was a really dark time here in Canada. And for myself, personally speaking, of course, in late 2019, we started seeing videos coming out of China, you know, showing people dropping dead in the streets and getting welded into their homes. And it was alarming, you know, but right as soon as it, it supposedly came to Canada, they said right off the bat that masks were useless. Don't bother. You shouldn't yes, wear masks. It's mm-hmm. not healthy. And then they reversed that decision, which I thought was a little bit crazy because, listen, 
I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist, but I do know what they have to wear in a virology lab. And it's not a fabric mask. <laughs> it's a hazmat suit. Right. It's a hazmat suit. <laughs> and I mean, I, I think one of the most frustrating things out of all this is like, how stupid do these people think we are? Yeah. yeah. You know? Well, how stupid <laughs> did, were, were people to adapt this? And believe that, you know, adopt this, this this thinking and believe that wearing a mask, you know, for get, getting on a plane, for example, wearing a mask to get on a plane and then pull it down during snack time and you were safe. I mean, some of these things, Tamara, were just, they were beyond my comprehension and they were flat out insulting, frankly. Yeah, yeah, totally. It was about control and who was going to capitulate at the end of the day. And, and, and sadly... So many people did. Yeah. It, it's stunning how many people would, you know, if you go into a convenience store and they yell at you because you're not wearing your mask for that 30 seconds. If I work at a convenience store, I mean, I, first of all, the owners of the store should never have put that on the employees. They should never have had them have to deal with that. Yeah. But the idea that I'm going to be in there for 30 seconds, if I'm an employer employee working the cash register, I'm not going to bother with it. But they, boy, they were little Hitler youth, weren't they, at some of these stores? Well, some of these I would even... I would even take that a step further. Um, when they started imposing the Vax passes on businesses here in Alberta, Premier Kenny is the one that mandated it, but he he left it up to the business owners to enforce it, mm. which is absolutely abhorrent because that makes, they're not the bad guys here. And right. I thought if that's what you're going to do, then you better darn well have a government employee standing out front of every business because what that did was put the business owners and the employees in that business you know, I, I don't want to say in harm's way, but, you know, mm -hmm. people that were angry or frustrated, they ended up being the ones that had to take the brunt of it. And that wasn't fair. Right. That, that was dodging your responsibility. Well, sometimes, yeah. These sometimes, are our leaders. Yeah, they're hard leaders. Yeah, they love to hide. Don't they? They, they, they love to throw the bombs and then go hide behind their desks. That's what a, a lot yes. of what went on. It was it was just terrible. I, I can't believe what I saw all over the place. And then people still wearing masks, which I don't understand. Of course, they're getting us ready for the next time. And one of the things that you mentioned in your book, by the way, for those, you got to get this book, everybody. It is because we can't obviously get to all of it today. Get the book, go to theconvoybook.com, theconvoybook.com, pick it up, read it. I literally read the entire thing in one day because I loved it so much. And it was so interesting. Uh, something else I want to mention that you talked about in your book, and this is so important the laptop class, because we were never in this together. And this was something that frustrated me no end. People who were either retired, I had relatives in my family like that. You're retired, you could sit home, get your residual checks or whatever it is that you get. And you're going to shame somebody who has to go clean hotel rooms, work in a restaurant to make a living. How dare you? We were not in it together. And you talked a lot about that. And obviously you saw that in Canada too. Oh, 100%. And, and you're right. Again, who gets to decide who is essential? Right. Who makes yeah. that decision? A janitor is no more essential than the CEO of a company or a bank manager or a bank president. Every human being is essential. And the division that they caused, which was clearly their tactics right out of the gate, oh yeah, was what was an atrocity. And they ended up making it okay, for example, our prime minister that, you know, was demonizing the unvaccinated, for example, he made it, his behavior made it okay for people to bully other people. Mm -hmm. You keep my example, as far as I'm concerned. 
and uh, he wasn't he wasn't leading. He was he was cowering. It was uh, it was something to see. Even when we were on the way to Ontario in the convoy, before we even got there, he was skirted away for his safety. What kind of a leader, if you think something like that? And then they were trying to paint us as insurrectionists and everything. Mm-hmm. Who who runs away and hides? Well, people who, who aren't that? leaders, that's who does it, people yeah. who aren't leaders. I mean, that's the whole thing is that they can't, government can't be everywhere, so they turn us against each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what they did in China during the Cultural Revolution. Somebody would walk by your house, and if they thought you had furniture that was too nice, you know, they would report you, right? And they would come take all your furniture away. I mean, these are the kind of things that happened in Nazi Germany. We've seen this, these Gestapo tactics that they used, and it's it's just, it's it's frightening, once again, and we can't beat this to death enough, how quickly our neighbors, our friends bought into this. That was what was so frustrating to me was, wait a minute, this is wrong. Don't you see this? And they would go along with it. And family, Mm -hmm. families are still divided over this. Yep, absolutely. I've got family members that I didn't see for a long time. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, let's get this straight. How many shots do you need to have before you feel safe around me? The idea that that anybody ever believe, you know, it used to be if I went into some, you know, jungle on vacation or something that I was going to get some crazy thing, I'd get a shot and then I wouldn't get that crazy thing. But now everybody in the entire jungle has to have the shot. I mean, since when, Tamara? I mean, this was, this is basic. I think I got through biology 102 in college. All right, barely. So, but you don't have to be a genius to understand that the vaccination is to protect you. Not everybody around you has to be vaccinated. Exactly. That's exactly right. It's just and, and we just saw that right. over and over and over again, you know, okay. crazy. It is crazy. So now you write extensively in the book about how the Freedom Convoy came to be. Once again, your logistics background was hugely helpful to get this thing going. And, you know, you have been so brave taking the shots because there were obviously a lot of people behind you. And then there were a whole lot of people trying to hurt you. Talk a little bit about what you experienced that you didn't expect. First of all, you didn't expect it to get this big, didn't expect it, how, how many people would donate and all that. And we'd care about it along the way. And talk a little bit about some of that, too. Yeah, well, I mean, we were all of us were completely shocked at the support we received within 24 hours of setting up the social media and the crowdfunding platform. We were inundated with donations and messages. And, you know, we were all just completely shocked because we'd all been segregated and separated for so long. And, and to have that kind of support right out of the gate, we knew within, you know, like I said, a day or two that this was going to be massive. And uh, of course, I also recognized that we were the, the media was going to come after us as well as the politicians. And, and we were right about that. They, they did immediately. They started calling us racist and far right extremists and, and whatever. But every ist and phobe you can be, we've been called basically. <laughs> ist and phobe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. they, had to. they had to portray you that way because if they portrayed well, you. And, and the evidence that came out. Sorry. Yeah, well, and the evidence that came out at the inquiry was that they were actually crafting this entire narrative before we even left to head for Ottawa. Okay, wow. Yeah. Yeah. The Prime Minister's office, the Public Safety Office, and the media were colluding with each other before I even shook Chris Barber's hand. Wow. Yes. It is incredible. They're terrified when people stand up to them, aren't they? These tyrants. They are. They don't like it. Well, I think what terrified him the most was the unity. I mean, obviously the money, the donations, but I mean, I think it was the unity because people said no more. 
And that was the beautiful thing about it. It didn't matter what color your skin was. It didn't matter what God you worshipped. It didn't matter where you lived or what your income bracket was. We were all just Canadians. Mm -hmm. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Right. And you have a lot of immigrant communities up there in Canada. And then, of course, you've got the Native Americans, which is funny that you're that you're descended from the Native Americans up there. Yes. But you talked about that in the convoy, how you'd see you drive down the street and you see everybody in their little little uh, some of the, some of the various religious groups and some of the other groups. You'd see everybody lined up all cheering you on because they saw a voice in what you were doing. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it was just the most beautiful show of unity I've ever seen. And and Canadians felt proud again. They felt proud to be Canadian, which is something that we've lost for, for quite some time. I mean, our prime minister has had scandal after scandal after scandal. He can't leave the country and go somewhere without saying or doing something completely embarrassing and off Are the you wall. You're not talking about our president. I, I, I... <laughs> Come on, Tamara. <laughs> yeah, we do have a lot of similarities there, don't we? He can't, he can't, ours can't go to without falling off a stage or falling asleep in a meeting or, you know, anything. It is a joke, isn't it? Or giving anyway, away military secrets, I understand. Right, right. And the military, they just cover for him and cover for him and cover for him. And that same thing with, I mean, not the, the military so much, but the media. They cover, they cover, yeah. they cover for him. Same thing they do with you in Canada. Yeah, yeah it is. It's... um. And and that's one of the things that we inadvertently exposed through all of this was the mainstream media and the legacy media here in Canada. Right. And if it wasn't for organizations like Rebel News, True North Center, Bright Light News, all these independent organizations, news organizations that actually took the time to go down and talk to people. The ironic thing is that what CBC was reporting, most of it was lies um, their they their office is only a couple blocks from the from where the protest was at. Okay. It it, it it like Rodney Palmer said in his testimony, it would have taken them longer to walk to their cars than it would have been for them to get out of their chairs and go down and actually talk to people and get the real story. But they don't want the real story, and that's that's what's. Yeah. I mean, there's so many aspects of this that's, that's been frightening for the last and disgusting for the last few years. But the media being complicit. People think they can trust the media and they just lie. And now we're just finding out based on, you know, the lawsuits in in America when they're fighting back against this, the uh, what was happening with Facebook and Twitter and our government here in America telling them, no, you will do this. You will do that. Just for the record, I got kicked off YouTube. My entire channel was wiped oh. off YouTube for putting up a video. Wait for it, Tamara. Not calling for insurrection, just stating my five reasons for not getting the shot. And for that, my entire channel was wiped out. Now, I'm not whining about that. You know, that I'm on the right side of history. It's my opinion, but I'm allowed to have it. But that just goes to show you the extent of the, uh, you know, the information that was just not being shown to people and the media freaking out and social media freaking out about anybody putting out a different point of view. They had one narrative and they continued to push it. But the, the it used to be that reporters got in politicians' faces with cameras and microphones and demanded answers. And this time they all just fell in line. Well, here in Canada, our prime minister is paying them to, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, he, uh, they came up with this, with this brainiac of an idea a few years ago to, to subsidize a lot of the media. And I mean, we knew at that time 
what was going to happen. It's inevitable. You're not going to bite the hand that feeds you. Mm, right. Now, what about the big, big pharma up there? I know big pharma spends a fortune on advertising here. All the cable channels pretty much are all you know bought and paid for by big pharma. What about that up in Canada? What about that influence? Oh, yeah, it's absolutely here. And actually, right now, um, we're in the middle of fighting against them trying to shut down our natural supplement industry. Wow. Well, I mean, the governments are trying to legislate it to shut them down. But I mean, it's it's pretty clear that big pharma is behind it. Sure, they are. They want who you stands to, to benefit, it. right? If you can't get vitamin D and vitamin C, who stands to benefit? It's, it's astounding. I guess the frustrating thing that I find, Heidi, is that they're ramming through all this legislation. Bill C-11 has gone through. Bill C-18 has gone through. So C-11 is basically, in a nutshell, our inter internet censorship bill. Uh, C-18 is our government's way of trying to basically blackmail Facebook and Google into paying to share our Canadian news outlets uh, links. Wow. Nobody has asked for this. Not one Canadian has come up to me and said, oh, man, I hope they govern me harder. Or I hope they censor me harder. Or I'm sick of reading Canadian news. Like, nobody is asking for this. And this is what our governments are supposed to do. They're supposed to represent the people. Yeah. And they're not. They're just unilaterally making these decisions and pushing through the legislation against the wishes of the majority of Canadians. Yeah, they don't and care. That, I remember my friend is not a democracy. No, it is not. I remember watching down here where I am in Las Vegas, there's a huge thing called the Clark County Commission. And that basically has jurisdiction over the strip and a lot of other things, uh, the majority of the strip and whatnot. And they had a meeting about continuing whatever shutdowns or masks, or they had people for two hours who got up there and to everybody to a person, except for one person testified. They didn't want this anymore. They didn't. And then the County commission, they don't care. And I just watched it online and I thought, and I know some of these clowns and they don't care. They just would arrogantly look down their nose at people. And it's just an example of what you're seeing in Canada, what we're seeing all over the world. A small group of people think they can make decisions for all of us and they do not care what we think. No, no. And, and I think I, and I've said this before, I think a lot of Canadians before the convoy started were concerned and felt like, Canada was circling the drain, so to speak. But what the convoy exposed is that it's it's past circling the drain. It's already halfway out to the ocean. Yeah, no, you know. So we're we're getting that's down true. to the wire here, and um, and it's. Uh, I mean, on one hand, I think because of the things that the convoy did expose is one of the reasons why they're trying to push all this stuff through so fast because they got caught with their hands in the cookie jar, from the banking industry to platforms like GoFundMe to obviously the mainstream media, you know, to the legal system for sure, the, our, the state of our police up here. I mean, every, all this stuff got exposed and I think it scared them. And now they're just trying to ram as much through as fast as they can. I think you're right about that. And well, so the convoy, and you write about this extensively in the book. Once again, you've got to read this book. I'll post it up here and you can get it at uh, the website is theconvoybook.com. You can get it on Amazon. Very, very well worth the read folks. You've got to get this book. It's uh, truly incredible. So after the convoy, and we'll talk, let's talk about uh, the give, send, go, God bless them. Uh, I did not realize it was Christian owned. I definitely want to get them on to discuss this, this stuff in a, in a further, in a, you know, in a later broadcast. But the GoFundMe, 
the idea that they were able, and the government was on you from very, very early on about the funding, when they could see how much money was coming in that you didn't put your hands on. You were very smart. You had good advisors. You, you, didn't, you weren't the one handling the money, but they were just freaking out about the money and ultimately were able to shut down accounts. Talk a little bit about that because all of us were watching down here and saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Well, I think that's one of the most horrific aspects that came out of this was when they when they froze bank accounts. Um, yeah, with with Give Send Go, we we saw the writing on the wall with GoFundMe, and so we restarted another campaign with Give Send Go, and they were absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing to deal with. And so when they when the government of Ontario tried to go after them to get access to that money, because let's face it, all they wanted the money. Sure. Okay. And, um, and, and ironically, you know, one of the things that I loved about what happened, you know, it would have been obviously in a perfect world, it would have been great if we could have kept that money distributed as we had planned. But it wasn't, we got there with no money, we stayed with no money, and we got home without that money. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not so much about the money itself, but it was the statement behind it. Yep. That terrified the government. And so when they went ahead and invoked the Emergencies Act, you know, during the most peaceful and polite protest of all time, without parliamentary oversight or a court order from a judge, they froze the bank accounts of roughly 280 Canadian citizens for simply donating to a cause that they believed in. That's frightening. Really frightening. Which is alarming. And so, Heidi, what that looks like, I don't know if you've ever gone into a grocery store and bought all your groceries to the counter and then gone to pay and your card doesn't work. Oof. We had mothers in line that had that happen to them and had to leave their groceries there and go home. We had families that couldn't buy medication for their children. They couldn't pay their mortgage. They couldn't pay or receive their child support. If that kind of tyranny can ha happen in Canada... Again, right. one of the most peaceful, polite, and passive countries on the planet. Mm -hmm. It can happen anywhere. Oh, sure. And what we saw happening was, you know, something that I used to watch happen on in third world countries. I grew up watching that stuff on the news that happened in third world countries, not in Canada. Right. That's nuts. And, you know, you think about the idea of digital currency, which a lot of countries are talking about doing. And then, you know, it, uh, yeah, there'll be an underground economy to a certain extent. But a lot of the things that you need to do, if you need to buy a house, you need to buy a car, you need to finance anything. Your credit can be destroyed by somebody coming in and saying, no, she can't get something like this. Or, I mean, that that's terrifying. Yeah. And you suffered personally. All of us have been flagged. Yeah. I mean, Chris Barber went to co-sign a loan so his son could buy a semi because he's joining the trucking business, the family business, and he was rejected. Chris has never had a problem before. And so this is the stuff that we're still facing. I don't I don't know if I'll ever get a mortgage again. I um I was kicked off of PayPal last summer. We have we have people here in Canada that are getting debanked based on their political beliefs. That's it's, it's it's getting to be a slippery slope and very dicey when banking institutions and institutions like PayPal get to um, discriminate against you because of your political beliefs. Right. That's that's absolutely. And we're not asking for anything. We're not out here advocating to overthrow the government or have a takedown. We're simply asking. We want our rights and freedoms back according to the charter. Right.
According to our constitution. And you have a charter of rights that, that obviously they were violating. So after the whole thing was over with, I don't want to give away all the details so people can read the book and, and the details about the convoy and everything, but you were arrested and you spent what, four uh, weeks in solitary confinement. I mean, that that's what... The, Anyway, go, go ahead. I, I just keep, my mouth just keeps dropping open and more and more of the revelations in this book. Go ahead and explain how that was. I, I can't, you were so brave for starters to put up with that. I, and I guess you didn't have a choice, but still the idea that you're thrown in this cold cell with not even a blanket, not even a mattress. I mean, it's just unbelievable what they did just because you organized something and were and weren't the only organizer, but you were kind of the main one. That's all you did. You didn't call for insurrection. You, you didn't do, you didn't murder anybody. I was literally, I was literally on social media. All of us were always advocating for peace and right. love and respecting our police officers and respecting the rule of law yeah. and you know advocating if you see if you see somebody that's acting threatening or aggressive they're not with us and you need to report it to the police right. or report it to us and we'll report it to the police and and so it's really it's really quite interesting i i saw a screenshot of a tweet um because i'm not allowed on social media but that said something to the effect what that the government's excuse for not negotiating with any of the organizers is that they didn't know who they were. They claimed oh. to not know who they were, but they sure knew who to arrest. When I was arrested in the winter, I spent about a week, the first week in solitary confinement after I got to the detention center. And um, uh, because because it was, I had to quarantine, right? It was oh. COVID quarantine or whatever, mm -hmm. yeah. which was in, in and of itself was also nonsense. And, um, but you know, I just felt for me, this was a very divine and spiritual experience. And I will say that I felt right from the start that we were guided and protected by my my higher power or our mm -hmm. higher power. Mm -hmm. uh, just because of the way things that that turned out and the coincidences that, that happened, you know, if we needed somebody with a certain set of skills, they just showed up magically. And then we would get, you know what I mean? Um, people just came. It was see a need, fill a need. And it was so beautiful. Um, and, and, and that's how the whole thing, whole thing went. And, and then to see it painted in such a way by the media, I mean, people still think we tried to burn down a building for goodness sake, right? you know, like it's, it, it's, it's unreal. It's on, it's, it's mind boggling what is all transpired, but I am encouraged. I, every week there seems to be more and more evidence coming out that says that we were right of course you were. and that we did everything right. And evidence, more and more evidence is coming out about what they tried to do to paint us as insurrectionists or um, terrorists or, you know, it. so, yeah, we've got trials starting in September okay. and I'm really looking forward to getting this, uh, this more of this evidence out again. That's crazy. So they're, they're now what? No, you said you're not allowed to use social media. I know there was one time you were rearrested. I don't want to give away everything in the book, but you were rearrested because somebody accused you of, of, of consorting with somebody you weren't supposed to talk to. So what are the restrictions that you're under right now? You can't get on Facebook or Twitter, obviously, or anything like that. I am now not allowed to log in to my social media accounts, post to them or ask somebody to post on my behalf. Okay. I have a surety that has to go through and check all of my electronic devices to make sure I'm not on social media and I'm not texting people I'm not supposed to be. I am not allowed to move out of my residence here. I, I'm, I got to stay at this address until all of this is resolved. I am not allowed to have contact with Chris Barber, Pat King, Benjamin Dichter, some of these other organizers 
that were involved. Some of them I don't even know. There's names on my no contact order that I don't even know who they are. Well, the, but the so, government does. I thought the government didn't know who the conspirators were. Like you said, that's I, I know. I know, right? That's right. I know. They they just constantly contradict themselves. But it, it is kind of entertaining to watch them scramble and change their stories. And, you know, the funny thing is, honestly, is I, I'm five feet tall. I'm about 120 pounds. And they're trying to paint me as this, you know, tiny little terrorist organized. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's hilarious. I'm charged with tiny intimidation. <laughs> yeah. I'm charged with intimidation. It's one of my charges. And I'm like the most intimidating, the, the least intimidating person I know. <laughs> that is crazy. Now in, in, in September, you, that's the actual trial. We're going to be in what, what are the charges now that you're going to face in September? Cause I know it's changed a lot. And once again, there are different things in the book about, about the things that they were going to charge you with and adding more charges and whatnot. So what ultimately is going to happen in September? Yeah, so Chris Barber and I are co-accused. He was the gentleman that I rode out to uh, Ontario with in Big Red. Right. And we are charged with mischief, counseling to commit mischief. Counseling to commit mischief. Okay. Well, and, and, and funny, Heidi, that was our original charge when we were both arrested was counseling to commit mischief. They actually had to add the mischief charge later because you can't really be charged with counseling to commit an offense <laughs> that never happened. So... <laughs> So, they, yeah, so they added that charge after intimidation, counseling, intimidation. And I think the last two, one was uh, disobey a police order and disobey a police officer or something like that. Wow. So now what possible you, you're not are you facing prison for this at this point? Uh, yeah, the Crown prosecutor that has been working on our case wants us jailed for up to 10 years. Now, is it, now, who's the guy? And I don't have the book in front of me. The, the horrible creature who kept going after you, the prosecutor, the first time, who got smacked down by the judge finally. Remind me of his name. Can you say it? Well, his, na his name was Mo is Moise Karinji, okay. but we call him okay. Moist Cringy. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this guy... I mean, and once again, this is all in the book called The Line. You got to read this. This, this, I just pictured this guy just, I don't know, salivating. I mean, he was just like a, a wild dog after you. It, it's wow. frightening the way he treated you. Wanted you to get 10 years and all these things for, you know, what, what about the murderers and rapists and all the things that are going on in Canada, but you're the big criminal. It was, that was really awful what was happening with him. It was. And, and I was shocked at how emotionally invested this crown prosecutor yes. was which yes. in and of itself is a terrifying thing to say mm -hmm. those two words should not never be in the same sentence emotionally right. invested and crown prosecutor right and oh. so you know he was very biased um he has been removed from our case by the way Okay, let's go. He was pulled off of our case about three weeks ago because I think they were recognizing, well, he's terrible. He's terrible. He was yeah. doing a terrible job. And, you know, that's one of the reasons we were kind of hoping to keep him, but also. I was going to say, because yeah. you talked in the book about this guy was, as you mentioned, so emotionally invested, you're being nice. Okay. Unhinged is a word that I would use based on what you said in your book. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy, what, the more he talked, the more unhinged he became and the more the judges were seeing through it. So he wasn't going to do the crown any favors by being the prosecutor. I don't think at this point, they probably recognize that. Well, and, and it, there was a time last summer where he actually wanted me arrested on a breach charge for agreeing 
to drive to Toronto to accept a Freedom Award. Mm, okay. So yeah, basically right. a thought crime. He, he wanted me arrested for intending to do something that hadn't even happened yet. So, and that's the problem in Canada. We don't have a justice system here. We have a legal system. We mm -hmm. also have a system where our judges are not elected. They're appointed by mm -hmm. the, the prime minister of the, of the day. And so imagine, and at much like the States where your Supreme Court justices, I believe, are appointed by your president, are they not? Well, they, they know, are. They get stacked with, yeah. 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 Yes. And, and so they get stacked with these activist judges is what we're seeing now that share their same ideologies. Right. So it, it's, uh, I mean, I would love, I, I, I should have 10 years ago, I would have said, I don't have a chance of going to back to jail. I've already served almost 50 days. And, but I mean, I, I can't say that with any type of confidence anymore because we just don't know. And in the meantime, we have police officers up here getting shot and killed by violent criminals who are out on bail. We just had a mother of two, three or four days ago that was shot by a stray bullet in gunfire in downtown Toronto. Her little kids now are going to grow up without a mom. But one of the gentlemen that was arrested has a history of serious violence and, and has been granted bail faster twice, two times, than, than it took them to let me out once. I was denied bail both times I was arrested initially. And so that's what we're seeing is violent criminals are getting let out onto the street. And, and then we, you have like myself and Chris Barber who are being persecuted to the nines. Neither one of us have a history of violence. Neither one of us have a criminal record. Hmm. It's it, the world is upside down right now. It really is. And, you know, God bless you. You have been so courageous. You've taken the blows like nothing you ever imagined would happen. Just trying to put something together to just kind of let people know that there was some solidarity. And a lot of Canadians were upset about the rights that were being taken away from them. That's what you were. That was your motivation to begin with. And the idea, the things that have happened to you that you talk about in this book, once again, put that up there whenever you want to get the book. Well worth reading, folks. And you can get it on Amazon or you can get it at theconvoybook.com. God bless you, Tamara. We'll talk again um, as it gets closer to your trial or after if you've got some time after. And I'm, I hope that you're exonerated. I can't imagine that you wouldn't be. But in this crazy world we live in now, you know, you have to know that the right you're on the side of, of correctness you are you're on the side of truth and there are you know so many people who have been you know throughout history punished for believing in truth and we've seen the last three years obviously but prior to that there have always been people who've spoken truth and been punished i can't stand to see this happening with you but god bless you for standing well, up. thank you and uh what i'll say to that heidi is that you know they don't scare me i got nothing to lose Right. I think we thought when the convoy was over that that was going to be the end and it's just the beginning and, and they, they picked on the wrong grandma. Boy, you're right about that. And you also talk about how the truckers, the ones who broke the back of the tyrants. And you mentioned that yeah. and you talk because you, as you mentioned, I want to gloss over what you said about revealing things that even your average Canadian was not aware that their government would do until yeah. you were made the poster child. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Exactly. Well, well, thank you so much for having me. I will gladly come back anytime. Listen, I look forward thank to you. talking with you again. And uh, I'm sure, you, do you really miss tweeting? Tell the truth, Tamara, because I don't. Well, <laughs> sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. It's bittersweet, honestly. But the longer I go without it, the long, the, the, the more I think, I don't even know if I really need it. Right. I know. Sometimes I wish I, I don't spend that much time on it anymore. But there are times that I think, you know, does the world really need to hear from me today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, listen, you are an example of, of not shrinking back and we will definitely talk again and Godspeed. I'll be praying for you in your court case. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. Thanks. Well, she's a hero in my book. That's for sure. Check out don'tshrinkback.com. That's the website. Don't shrink back on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Please let us know if you'd like to recommend somebody you think we should celebrate right here on don't shrink back. Remember, we are not called to shrink back. We are called to stand firm in our convictions. Until we meet again, I'm Heidi Harris. Keep standing.